I'd like to I'd like to open with a with a wonderful upbeat late sixties, early seventies rock and roll tune. And the nice thing the wonderful thing about this tune and the way it works with unity is it's hopeful in the sense that we know we can rebuild anything that gets hurt, that feels damaged. But that sometimes it does feel inevitable, but we can rise above. Living. 
extremely glad you could join us this morning. I'd like to read to you from the Daily Word for this morning. Through the divine in me, I develop my true spiritual potential. As I learn who I truly am, I embrace my Christ nature, the image of God that I am. I discover my true spiritual potential as I allow my divine facilities such as imagination, faith, love, wisdom, understanding, strength, and more to express through my thoughts, words, and actions. Any ideas of limitation dissolve as my imagination develops an inspiring, positive vision for my future. Faith provides a firm foundation for the attributes of love, wisdom, and understanding to bring my vision to life. The facility of strength allows me to keep on keeping on through any challenge. These God attributes are mine to develop and use as my divine potential unfolds. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's Romans 15, 13. And please remain seated while Linda and Dallas lead us in surely the presence.
in our welcoming song, The Story in Your Eyes. And that's by the Mee Blues. We've already done that one. Shower the people now. Okay. Yeah. Well, then Here we, we go. Do shower the people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. key for y'all. I think it helps too high for the ladies and maybe the men too. Thank you. 
No, I think that was the Yay. Thank you all for wonderful hugs and being here today. Our regularly scheduled activities located on the calendar hanging up in the hallway downstairs. So be sure to look at that. Does anyone have any announcements? Yes, Deb. Little Bill said Karina has a hospital bed that needs to be out of her house this week for free if anybody needs one. If not, I told them to take it to busy nurses, but... Okay. Okay. Pass the word along and your phone number is in our directory, yeah. so if anybody knows, you have to call. All right. Just a reminder for the cookie, the rest off thing. Oh, Joanne's about to do oh, that. Oh, yes, okay, good. Oh. <laughs> okay, we got everything filled except someone to work with. Eileen from 7 a.m. to 2 to noon on Saturday. I, I thought that's me. We never answered my... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, would you? Plug, plug me you in. never heard. Yeah. They never mind. Yeah. We're all good. Okay. The cookies are always helpful. Okay. Are you good at coffee? Yeah, coffee. Are we doing cookies? We, we need more, always need more cookies. Okay. Yeah. Right. Does it have to be cookies or can it be muffins? No, it has to be cookies. 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 All right. Anything else? Oh, small announcement. We, besides being blessed by Dallas and Linda this morning, our own Johnny managed to put together a little lapel mic that Eileen is going to introduce to us today. Yay. No, we're not doing it. Eileen needs her notes today. She won't be wondering as much. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, so we'll put you in suspense for next week then. Well, yeah, come back so you can hear the lapel pin. Come back so that you can hear the lapel pin. That's it. That's it. All right. Please join me then in the unity statement in your program. And we'll say it together. We believe in the oneness with all life and the power of love. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others, revealing the one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness in God. Now please stand as Dallas and Linda lead us in I'm Choosing Heaven. Wait, the girl on this too, darling. No. Okay. <laughs> That's good exercise. I'm choosing heaven. I want to start over, okay? Okay. I want to do it better. I want to do it better. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, life, Dallas. Life.
My husband was killed in the war, and I lost my second daughter. She died of starvation and disease as we were wandering from place to place. So when this woman said, let's go home, there was nothing else I wanted. She brought us to an apartment. We had never been in an apartment before. We had lived with thousands of other refugees, wandering from under the tree to under the tree, so this apartment was different. She showed us around the apartment. She showed us the bathroom and the shower. I remember opening the refrigerator, and it was full of food, but there was nothing familiar to us. We saw a big bottle of orange soda, and we thought it was juice, so we tasted it. It tasted very bad, so we left it. <laughs> Before she left, she said, this is a fire alarm. When you hear it, just go outside and wait there until it's all clear. Then she left. All five of us were standing in this strange place, very scary. I told the kids, let's sit down. We were home now. I kept remembering the word home. There were two couches in the living room. My children had never seen a couch before or a carpet. So we just went into the kitchen to warm up some milk. Before we drank our warm milk, we heard a noise. I told the kids, let's run. That's the fire alarm the woman was talking about. Back at the refugee camp, we had a plan because one time the village was attacked and I had to run with my children. And it was very difficult for me to collect them all. So we made a plan that when something happened, my brother would grab the baby, I would grab my four-year-old, and my daughter would grab hold my skirt and we would run. So when we heard, so we were there in Portland, Maine, in this apartment hearing this noise, so we went into our plan and my brother grabbed the baby, I grabbed the four-year-old, and my daughter grabbed, held my dress, and we ran out of the apartment across the street. We stood there, and I asked him, do you see the fire? Do you smell the smoke? They said no. So we stood there for a while, and then we said, we should probably go back inside the building. So we walked inside slowly. But we didn't, but we didn't know which one was our apartment. We looked, but all the doors looked alike. So we tried a few of them, but they were all locked. Finally, we saw one door a little bit open, so we thought this might be our apartment. We went in first, slowly, and it was our apartment. There was a woman standing by the door. She told us she accidentally rang our doorbell. So we learned it wasn't the fire alarm after all, it was the doorbell. <laughs> the woman from social services, services would come visit us from time to time, and when she came, she would always find me sleeping. One day she asked me, why do you sleep so much? I told her, for the last eight years, I walked from Sudan to Ethiopia, and I walked again from Ethiopia to Sudan, and again from Sudan to Kenya, and from Kenya to the border of Somalia. I walked from under tree to under tree, from hunger to hunger, from gunfire to gunfire, from death to death. I walked the entire east continent of Africa with these children. I am sleeping because I haven't slept for eight years. Portland was different from my village. My village was a small village, maybe around 5,000 people. It lies on the eastern bank of the White Mound. My father had four wives as custom in my village. And I lived among many brothers and sisters. We went to school to learn English, my third language. I was happy. 
But in Maine, I felt so alone. A woman helped me find some friends, people from my tribe who had made it to Minnesota. So with the help of social services, we were able to move to Minnesota. In Minnesota, my children had their first opportunity to go to school. I managed to get them enrolled. I bought them school clothes and supplies they needed. The woman who helped me told me that the kids would need to wake up early in the morning and go to the school bus stop. She told me that we would need an alarm clock. So I went to Kmart and I asked the ladies if they would have an alarm clock that sounded like a rooster. <laughs> they, helped me find, they did help me find one. We set the alarm clock in the morning and the kids woke up. I walked my now 12-year-old brother and my 8-year-old daughter to the bus stop, which was just behind our apartment. I watched them climb into the bus and to the bus with tears in my eyes. The bus took off. The other parents left. I was still standing there with tears in my eyes wondering if they would come back, hoping they would come back to me. I went to the apartment to my little boys. They were still sleeping. My tears were still falling and through, and I thought that about everything my children had gone through, everything they had seen. When my baby Jock was born, the village was attacked. Nine hours after his birth, I was forced to leave with him, and now we had made it. With God's help, we had made it. My children would never walk 200 miles again. They would never starve again, and they would always be happy, even when I'm not around. I thought about this all day and the day my daughter graduated from law school. I was so proud of my children. Today I think about the first day in Portland, Maine, airport when the woman said, let's go home. And home remains hope for, to me. Home means I will never have to run again. And the lady in the story was Albany Matteo Kunuka, I think. A single mother who survived the civil war and genocide in a homeland in South Sudan and migrated to the United States here. She became a certified nursing assistant and worked at the Mayo Clinic for almost 10 years as a cervical processing tech. She is the mother of two daughters, a Tom, her oldest, recently graduated from law school in May 2012. Albany is proud to say what a joy it is to see her accomplish her dream of becoming a lawyer. Because few refugee children graduate high school, let alone attend college. Albany has three sons and one grandson. She lives in Lincoln, Nebraska, and is the author of Tears of a Mother, a Sudan survivor story. Her first book about her life while living in Sudan. And for more information, they give the website and stuff. And it said this story was told on June the 4th, 2016 at the State Theater in Portland, Maine. The evening of the theme was, You Are Here, Director Meg Bowles. And that's her story. Thank you, Bobby. Also, as, as Bobby said, that was from the Moth Radio Hour, which is available on um, PBS, on your local um, PBS radio stations, or PBS.org. Um, all right, um, please remain seated while we sing our meditation song, and that is, There is Only Love. There is Only Love. Mm -hmm. 
you. And we are privileged and honored to have a different speaker each Sunday of the month. We are blessed once again to have our own Eileen share her words of wisdom and love with us. Unless we have a reason. So if I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to talk to y'all, I'm going to 
talk about something that I need to learn about. So I'm going to share with you the things that I learned while I prepared for today. Just knowing that I have not perfected forgiveness. All right. Um, so there are a few things that as I talk with my husband and as I've mentioned before in front of many of you, my husband and I were not really on the same thought process in this world. We're not exactly on the same plane. So oftentimes I try to talk to him and he'll say, that makes no sense to me. I'm like, okay. So I decided that today we need to kind of start with some background knowledge, as we say in the world of education, to make sure that you all understand where my baseline comes from as I talk about forgiveness. So some things that we need to have some background knowledge on is that God is pure energy and love and good. Okay? So that is the first piece of background knowledge. We just need to all understand that this is coming from a place that God is pure energy and love and only good. And that God is in all things, and all things are in God. Believing this to be true, that we are all God and God is all of us, all of us, all living things, all things of substance, every atom in the universe is God, and God is every atom in the universe. Okay? just so that we are clear on where I'm coming from here. <laughs> so I, um, I've often heard this whole split a piece of wood, I am there, lift a stone, and you will find me. Tried finding it in my Bible, and it wasn't working for me. Found out it's not actually in my Bible. It is from the Gospel of Thomas, and it is from a list of sayings by Jesus. So I was pretty disappointed to find out it wasn't in my Bible, because I really love my new Bible, and... I really like that saying, so hopefully somehow I'll just write it in a margin somewhere or something. Then it'll be in my Bible and it'll feel really official. That's my plan. Okay. So the first thing that we need to kind of cover is our own divinity. So working with this belief that God is pure energy and love, combined with the belief that God is all things and all things are God, well then, we too are pure energy and love. This is our power. We can kind of think of it as like our superpower, right? This divinity, this power is ours to be wielding out there in the world, but we must act the part. If we're not very loving, then we're not using our superpower, right? All right. So it is only available to us when we love, as love is our true nature to do. When we allow someone to cause us not to love them, we allow that person to take our power. We are giving up our divinity in that moment, when we choose to allow them to cause us not to love them, as is our nature. If we are this power, if we are God, and God is us, how is it that we can give up our divinity? How is it that we can release that power? Um, it's by denying that it exists. It's by denying this connection that we have. It's by denying that God is part of us and that we are part of God. I had come across um, some writings, I've come across lots of writings. One in particular um, was the Unity classic, Your Hope of Glory, by Elizabeth Stanch Turner. And in there, she quoted from Matthew 12, 31, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, okay, so we don't use the Lord's name in vain. I've heard that, I've heard that a lot, right? However, she goes on to say that the only unforgivable sin, speaking against the Holy Spirit, is our denial of the presence of God within us. 
It's denying that God within us. When we think of ourselves as sick, poor, miserable, we are repudiating our true nature and denying the life and activity of the Holy Spirit in us. So in that moment, we are letting go of our power. We are separating ourselves from God and from our true nature. When we perceive that someone has wronged us, when life experiences are perceived to have a negative impact, we may hold anger, resentment, or bitterness toward the person or experience. But when we do this, when we hold this negativity to be the truth of who we are, who's really suffering? Nice, Susan. You're with me. I appreciate it. All right, there is a cost to unforgiveness. Every hurt, every resentment, no matter the cause, reaps a corresponding amount of destruction in our bodies and our souls. In his book, Discover the Power Within You, Eric Butterworth said something to the effect that you can have your righteous indignation, your resentment, your anger, you can hold on to old hurts and bitterness. With that, you can also have your illness, your stomach ulcers, your nervous tension, your heart troubles, and mental and physical breakdowns. Gary Zukav, in his book, The Seed of the Soul, went on to explain that when you choose to hold on to the negativity, you choose to view the world through your lenses of contaminated love, which I thought was an interesting way of looking at it. This is your break from divinity. So we go back to that, you know, I am a divine being. When you choose to hold on to those things, you are causing that break in your divinity. Your disconnection from God, that God is in you. You separate yourself from your Christ light and the good intended for you in this experience. How then do we turn the power back on? How do we reconnect with our Christ light and reconnect with the divine within us? It's through forgiveness. So according to unity, forgiveness is the act of releasing ourselves from the bondage of an ongoing negative connection. I actually had a thing pop up on my Facebook feed. It said, forgiveness. And I went, oh, good timing. Good timing. And I hit the button, and I found just one little page with a few little bullets, and that one was there. And I said, okay, that works. Forgiveness resurrects our peace of mind from the perils of victimhood and releases our negative judgments. Psychologist Sonia, and I'm going to butcher it so I won't even try, it starts with an L, calls forgiveness a shift in thinking towards someone who has harmed you. It has nothing to do with reconciliation, forgetting, excusing, or justice. When you are ready, forgiveness is a powerful choice you can make that can lead to greater well-being and relationships. This choice carries with it an intention to heal yourself. It's not about the other person. It's about you and your connection. And the essential question that you might ask is, will I let this person, this experience, divine, define the quality of my life? If the answer is no. If you are ready to reconnect with your light, lay claim to your divine power, then you may be ready for the work of forgiveness. And it is work, because forgiving can be hard. Sometimes we've held on to hurts of anger for years. Sometimes even generations. 
carry hurt. Some wrongs may seem impossible to forgive, which, if we are only human, then sure, you're right. But if we go back to our background knowledge, we are also divine. And with that divinity comes that ability to love in all situations and to see all things and all people from that place of love. We can choose to live life through our Christ light, expressing the divine nature of who we are as beings of love, as beings of energy and power. Understand, forgiveness is not about condoning bad behavior or saying we must trust those who have mistreated us. It does not mean that there will be no justice for bad acts. Now, I had a friend, dear, dear friend for many, many years, made the mistake of renting my home to her, my rental home to her. And I had a lot of people kind of warn me that that was about, no, she's my best friend, she's great. And I love her dearly and did not end well. And for a long time, I told the story of how my friend really screwed me over. <laughs> and then I had to come to the realization that where she was in her life and the experiences that she was having just led her to make some decisions that I did not agree with. And I had to be okay with that. She's chosen to walk out of my life. And I know that if she chooses to walk back in, I will welcome her because I love her. And she will have had some sort of experience in her life that caused her to come back to me. It's not the first time, by the way. <laughs> so I hold hope that she'll come back. But my daughter had asked me, she says, well, mom, how can you forgive her? And you know, she says, but she did all these things. I said, she did. I said, and forgiveness doesn't mean that I have to rent my house to her again. Forgiveness just means that I have to love her in spite of what has happened. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that I'm pretending like everything was okay. It just means that I look at it, I accept her with love, and I let it go, because that's what we need to do. In the Unity Classic Lessons in Truth, Emily Cady writes, to forgive does not simply mean to arrive at a place of indifference to those who do personal injury to us. It means far more than this. To forgive is to give for. To give some actual, definite good in return for giving evil, or evil given. And I spent some time kind of contemplating, well, what does that mean? And it, there were things like it that popped up in a lot of the things that I had read. And really what it came down to is when somebody does something that you have a hard time accepting, take a deep breath. Look at it with love, let it go, and make a choice that sends love into the world. Do I have to give love to the person that did wrong to me? Not necessarily. But if I send love out into the world and I continue to use my power of love while I work on forgiving that person or that experience, then I'm doing the work of forgiveness. So somebody had interpreted that particular statement by um, Emily as to give something back that is unexpected in our human experience. Okay, so I'm going to give love. Something bad happens, I'm going to give love. And most of the texts that I reviewed, as I said, that came down to lessons and, and giving back and um, reminding ourselves of the divinity in that person or that experience and recognizing the Christ in it. It means to steadfastly refuse to see anything but God in them. Try to love instead of hate, instead of avenging, begin to forgive. Even if it costs us great mental effort, 
as it often does. Begin to defy envy, jealousy, anger, sickness, and all imperfection, and to affirm love, peace, and health. Forgiving others means that you do not hold them responsible for your experience. That was a hard one. Well, he made me feel that way. No, I actually tell my students all the time, your actions are your choice. And your reactions are your choice. So Gary Zukav puts it like this. The perception that someone else is responsible for what you experience underlies the idea that forgiveness is something that one person does for another. How can you give another person the fact that you have chosen to, how can you forgive another person for the fact that you have chosen to step out of your power? How can you forgive someone else for your choice? Furthermore, um, in allowing someone or something else to be responsible for your life experiences, you have chosen to separate yourself from your true nature of love and energy and your divinity because you have allowed somebody else to be responsible for it. So some questions that have come up, it says to look at the story you tell. Is it a story of pain, hurt, resentment, and suffering you are carrying around? Ask yourself, have you had enough of that? Set an intention to write a new story of promise, hope, and peace. There are lessons to learn within every tragedy and blessings beyond your story. To forgive other people or experiences is to make the effort to view them from the perspective of love. So notice it's to make the effort. Sometimes it's hard, but if you openly make the effort, that's the key. To take the time to hold them in the Christ light of your spirit and acknowledge that regardless of what you perceive in the moment, they are a perfect child of God. The experience is a perfect expression of God. Remember that every experience, every person you have encountered has been a part of your soul's unfoldment. That person or experience has been gifted to you for the growth of your spirit. See the person or experience in the love of God. Thank them for their part in your soul's journey. And then grow forth in spirit. Let it go to God. Stop telling the story. Stop giving it your power. Give it to God. Even if you cannot let go of all of the pain caused by your experience with the person or event, your sincere desire to let go of the resentment and judgment associated with it will open the gates of forgiveness in your heart, allowing your superpower, the divine love, to flow. Often, the greatest need for forgiveness is the need to forgive ourselves. It came up in every source that I read. It is difficult to forgive others when we are filled with self-condemnation and guilt. Forgive yourself for missing the gym last week. <laughs> forgive yourself for being frustrated with how long you had to wait in the line at the store last night. Forgive yourself for not making it to every event you've ever been invited to. <laughs> Give yourself, forgive yourself for not being able to be all things to all people 
in your life. <laughs> That's right, Mama. <laughs> Forgive yourself for burning dinner, for being late, for whatever it is that you have judged yourself for. Forgive yourself for holding grudges and judging others. <laughs> Forgive yourself for all the little things and the big things. Just forgive yourself. See yourself from the perspective of love. Look at your life and recognize your successes as well as your shortfalls. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself some love. Remember your divinity. Take time to reconnect with your spirit. I did find this one in my Bible. It made me really happy. So, Colossians 3.13 says, Let the message... Nope, wrong one. 13 is hidden there. Make allowances... Make allowance for other people's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. A prayer that I had come across in the quest by Richard and Mary Alice Jafala. Holy presence within me, I am willing to release all feelings of hurt and anger and resentment. Help me to know true forgiveness and to see each person as a part of me and a child of yours. Thank you, God. Now for our meditation. Please take a moment to settle in your seat. Feel your feet on the floor, comfortable. Close your eyes if you choose. Deep breath. Affirm silently with me. God is the life within me. God is the life within me. God is the life within me. I now release every recognized or unrecognized feelings of fear, resentment, condemnation, envy, distrust, hate, or any other negative feeling or thought about myself or others or anything I or they may have said, thought, or done. I forgive myself and others for everything, and I love and bless myself and everyone. Divine love now dissolves and dissipates every wrong condition in my mind, body, and relationships. Divine love now dissolves and dissipates every wrong condition in my mind, body, and relationships. Now visualize in detail and in color the most beautiful, peaceful scene you can. Bring all your senses to play and let the feeling of complete oneness with God in the universe fill your being. Smell the space. Feel it. Hear it. Taste it.
Feel yourself melting into the scene. Gradually let the feeling become light that is going through your circulatory and nervous system. See the light flowing into every dark corner of your being. Let this be whatever color your subconscious mind chooses. Allow the light to travel to any part of your body that may need healing. This can be physical healing, emotional healing, healing of the mind and thoughts, spiritual healing, whatever you hold within your body that needs healing, let the light concentrate there. Feel the light permeate this place or these parts of the body, mind, and spirit that need healing. As you focus the healing energy of God within you, hear and feel these words of affirmation. God is life. I am one with God. I am one with life. Thank you, God, for perfect life. Thank you, God, for the healing of forgiveness, forgiveness of myself and of others. Thank you, God, for the restoration of my power, for the reconnection with my Christ light. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. For our offering, there are two containers. The silver one is for supporting our church, and the copper <coughs> one is for our outreach programs. Hold on, you're Our offering prayer is located inside your program. Let's say it together as we hold it, our offerings in our hands. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I give and all that I receive.
And let's all say our blessing of thanks, and that's also found in your program together. We bless these gifts and send them forth to heal, bless, and prosper. They are evidence of our faith and belief. They do good work in the world and return to us multiplied abundantly. And so it is. If you'd like to focus our collective group healing energy for someone, just call out their name and hold them quietly in our hearts. Beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for our brothers and sisters and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen. Let's all, <clears throat> let's all say our prayer of protection together. You can find that in your program to the right, together. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. And let's all form that circle, join hands, and have Dallas lead us in our song of peace. Thank you to everyone who made our Sunday service possible. Don't forget coffee, refreshment, fellowship downstairs.